Hey, welcome to Bruise Culture. I'm your host, Evan Schwab. I own the gaming site Big Cultures, and I'm an aspiring Cicero. I'm here to help you pair quality craft beers with great games in order to maximize your leisure time. We'll talk about some of the best breweries and their histories alongside the ins and outs of games and the gaming industry. So stop in, take a load off, and enjoy excellent brews with us as we explore two of the most profitable business industries. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Brews Culture. My name is Evan Schwab, and I will be your host as we take a look at some of America's greatest beers and some of the world's greatest video games. Now, the world of beer and the world of video games has a history of bringing people together. I mean, think about it. They were designed to be shared with others. You don't typically go to a bar to sulk in silence to be the introvert that you are. You go to have a beer with a buddy or a group of buddies. You go to a bar to socialize. You buy a video game to share with your friends. I mean, look at the success of Twitch or Mixer while it was going uh, or YouTube even. Think about all of the prominent streamers. You've got Ninja, you've got PewDiePie, and they're the highest earners in YouTube on Twitch by a long shot. And yes, a lot of it is based around their personalities, based around the communities they build, but they're originally noticed by their prowess at video games. The communities are built based on their personalities and the personalities of those who watch them, but and there is a science behind that. But video games and beer were designed to bring people together. So I started really getting into the world of beer when I met my wife. Uh, and our first date happened to be at the Market Garden Brewery, where I enjoyed... I couldn't tell you what the beer was, but it was probably some sort of lager. Something light. I uh, wasn't too heavy into the super crafty beers yet. But... We met there, and it went so well that we moved across the street to have dinner at the Greenhouse, which was a phenomenal restaurant. Sadly, um, out of business now, it was run by Chef Jonathan Sawyer, a beautiful place with a phenomenal menu. But it was, it was actually her love for craft beer that really pushed me to branch out my own tastes and try. Uh, at the time, it was Revolution Antihero, which... It remains one of my favorite IPAs. But I, I had the Revolution Antihero, an IPA that I was never had before. Wasn't even a big fan of, of IPAs. But this one really uh, sat with me well and really pushed me to explore more craft beer. Figure out what's going on in this world of, of beer. And fortunately, I'm really lucky to live in Ohio, in the greater Cleveland area, that where we have just loads of terrific breweries um, you know that can be experienced all the way in California um, you know there's Great Lakes Brewing which is probably our most recognizable brewery been around since I was born there's Rheingeist in Cincinnati that's really making a huge wave in the craft beer industry it was actually ranked in one of the top um, I believe 27 breweries in the nation there's the Columbus Brewery, which creates some of the most consistently delicious uh, offerings. There's Platform, 
Fatheads, which every year when they drop their famous beer across the state of Ohio, sells out, I mean, almost instantly. The, their two locations where they serve food along with the beer are swamped during the holidays. The beer is called Pimp. It's, uh, it's a pretty heavy, almost barley wine type of deal, but it's good. And it's super popular, and you will wait for hours just to get in uh, on the day that they open the kegs. So I delved into the world of beer. I committed. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I was teaching and being forced to teach from home. I decided in some of my free time, since I didn't have to drive my two hours to and from work every day, to invest into becoming a Cicerone, which is a beer expert. And you learn just an incredible amount, even with the first level of um, mastery. So... It was then that I had this idea, because I own BitCultures, a gaming website that I purchased after becoming the managing editor for, for a number of years. And I've always had a passion for video games, and I've had this blooming passion for beer. And there's nothing better than hanging out with a buddy, with a beer in hand, controlling the other, and jamming out to your favorite games while drinking your favorite beers. And again, living in Ohio, having access to the Ohio breweries, but other breweries like Three Floyds that have begun distributing here within the last two years, um, amongst others, it's a treat. And I, I can't stress enough how wonderful Ohio beer is. That's not to say anybody else doesn't have great beer. In fact, our first episode isn't even an Ohio beer. But we'll get to that. The point that I'm making here is that beer and video games are two of the biggest industries in America. I mean, video games is the second largest entertainment industry in America. And we'll see after this pandemic where that goes. Uh, when everybody was locked down, you couldn't find a Nintendo Switch for weeks. PS5 and the Xbox Series 1, I'm sorry, the Xbox Series X and S are out of stock and have been since they dropped in November. It's an industry that isn't going away anytime soon, either of them. And I, we haven't peaked yet. So with that in mind, I created this show, uh, pairing my favorite beers with some of my favorite games. Some of the highest ranked beers with some of the most critically acclaimed games. And they don't always have to necessarily match those criteria as i'm going to draw a lot of indie breweries that we may have never heard of um but deserve our attention and we may pull in games that maybe don't necessarily perform terrifically on a critical scale but definitely deserve our attention so for our first episode today we are going to launch the series on a high high note and that is to pair three floyds brewing companies zombie dust with capcom's resident evil 2 remake so what you have in these two businesses is a masterclass of longevity, of creativity, of success in two populated industries, two of the most successful industries. You've got what many consider to be one of the original craft breweries, one of the fathers or grandfathers of craft beer in the Three Floyds Brewing Company. And you've got a pioneer of the survival horror genre pumping out a series that has been around since the early to mid-90s in Capcom. Both have a record of creating quality experiences and embody what the show is about, welcoming everyone along on the journey of tasting the best craft beers and playing the most celebrated video games. There are few breweries that hold the same cult following as the Three Floyds Brewing Company. They were established in 1996 by the Floyd Brothers, based in Munster, Indiana, and they were certainly one of the most highly sought-after breweries outside of Indiana. I remember a decade ago, hanging out with my future best man whose aunt and uncle who were beer connoisseurs would 
every time they left the state of Ohio for vacation, for work, for whatever, um, would head straight to Munster, Indiana to make sure that they secured themselves a few cases of zombie dust and other various Three Floyds beers. So a decade ago, when my buddy and I were hanging out, he brought over uh, two bottles of zombie dust. And he said, you've got to try this. This is perhaps the best beer I've ever had. Of course, uh, at that point, I wasn't too keen on IPAs, wasn't too keen on uh, much outside of, you know, a good Labatt Blue type deal. I might have been 22. So he gave it to me, and uh, it was an incredibly smooth experience. In fact, it would lay the foundation for my willingness to try the anti-hero while dating my wife. Well, yeah, while dating my wife. Um, in fact, Zombie Dust has ranked in the top 10 beers in the United States for the past decade and a half. So he wasn't kidding around, and it is entirely worth your while. Now let's take a look at what we've got inside the Zombie Dust and see uh, what makes it so good. So, according to Three Floyds, Zombie Dust is an intensely hopped and gushing undead American pale ale. And it will be your only respite after the zombie apocalypse. Uh, they created it with their friends in the comic industry and the art, which is some of my favorite artwork in beer history, uh, is created by artist Tim Seeley. So, what makes up Zombie Dust? Zombie Dust is entirely a single hop beer. Citra hops, in fact, so you'll have your citrusy taste. And it is a medium-bodied beer. If you happen to be a fan of Beer Advocate, Zombie Dust scores a world-class score of 100, and it is ranked number 39 of all beers on Beer Advocate. <clears throat> and as far as pale ale, American pale ales go, it is the number one beer on Beer Advocate. Now, with that said, Zombie Dust had a 60 on the IBU International Bitterness Units scale, meaning it is in the moderate bitterness. But for the most part, Zombie Dust is an incredibly smooth experience. And when you take a sip of your Zombie Dust, you have a silky smooth experience, a silky smooth mouthfeel, as it were, with a hint of bitterness. Uh, for a 60 IBU, it's definitely not that intense, um, which is what makes it such a welcoming pale ale, especially for new entries into the craft beer industry. My brother hates IPAs and really just pale ales in general, but Zombie Dust is one of his favorite beers. Um, it is a solid like 6.5% alcohol content, um, so you know you can have a couple before you start feeling pretty good. Um, that is a consistent delicacy from the Masters at Three Floyds. It's definitely one you don't want to miss out. The biggest complaint I've heard about the Three Floyds uh, zombie dust happens to be that it is typically overhyped. Um, and I would imagine that this comes from somebody who has not had an opportunity to have Three Floyds before tasting a number of other beers, for better or worse. Um, especially if you get to a point where you really enjoy a certain taste for your IPAs. With that said... Um, I think if you really have a respect for the process, for the beer, um, that you will find a lot to enjoy in your zombie dust. And it's 6.5 ABV makes it something you can drink pretty much, you know, session it all day if you'd like. Um, so I would say believe the hype. It's one of my personal favorite IPAs, I mean, uh, APAs, but definitely try it for yourself. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But I've found that most people like it. It's just the ones who are disappointed. Not that they don't like it. It's just that they have a preference of something that they like better. 
And that's totally fine. That's the beauty of beer. It's the beauty of, of disagreeing. Um, but the craft beer world is so big and beautiful that there's so much out there to have. Now, the idea behind brews culture is to give you a little bit of information about the beers, about the brewery, about the games and developers. But the idea was originally created based on the Cicerone Beer and Food Pairing Guide. Now, obviously you can't pair food and beer the same way you can pair a beer with video games. Before we get into that, you have basically a chart of interactions between beer and food from the Cicerone uh, Guide. And it pairs with beer flavor, interaction, and food. You want to match the strength of the beer with the strength of the food. So how does a hoppy beer, a bitter beer, balance with a food? How does a spicy food balance maybe with the sweetness or maltiness of a beer? Um, you know, does something balance it out or does something emphasize the other? So is bitterness or alcohol content balanced out by sweetness or richness in a food? Or does maybe the bitterness enhance or emphasize the spiciness or a different sort of flavor of a food? Likewise, for our chart, we will be comparing the idea of the beer, the flavor profile, the bitterness, the uh, mouthfeel, with the game itself, the controls, the mechanics, as far as controls go, how does it feel? Are the beer and the game, do they enhance one another? And by enhance, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, does the beer, does drinking a beer make playing the game better? In some cases, that sounds like a crutch. But in this case, you know, the idea of zombie dust, your last respite of the zombie apocalypse, pairs so perfectly with Resident Evil, the series, but in this case, Resident Evil 2 Remake, that they, they sort of kind of balance on one another, uh, on that premise alone. So for this, we're going to look at the smooth, the silky smooth mouthfeel of zombie dust with the enhanced and newly crafted mechanics for Resident Evil 2 Remake. We'll look at the bitterness scale matched alongside the difficulty of Resident Evil. Um, we will take a look at the alcohol content uh, compared to some of the biggest enemies that you'll face in-game. But before we do all that, let's take a brief dive into Capcom and the Resident Evil series at large. So Capcom began in Japan in 1979 as a manufacturer and distributor of electronic game machines per the Capcom website. Soon after that, about four years later, Capcom Company Limited was founded and went on to create some of the gaming industry's longest living franchises, longest living developer, um, and not only that, but Capcom has some of the most successful video game series, not just limited to Resident Evil, but also probably the most video game to movie adaptations, which isn't necessarily always a good thing. But with that said, uh, the Resident Evil franchise, Resident Evil 2, launched in January of 1998, and it featured a dual storyline split between the tales of Leon S. Kennedy and Claire Redfield, the little sister of Chris Redfield, who was one of the protagonists of the original Resident Evil game alongside Jill Valentine. Resident Evil 2 sees a newly recruited Leon S. Kennedy join the Raccoon Police Department of Raccoon City. Unfortunately for both he and Claire, the events of Resident Evil had unfolded and the outbreak uh, was unable to be contained inside the facility, the original facility. So the city of Raccoon City had become, had just begun its initial infection, which was spreading as Leon was coming to town. Now Claire was on her way 
in Raccoon City to find Chris, who had disappeared after the events of Resident Evil. What you had in the original Resident Evil 2 was a masterful example of survival horror, often considered the pinnacle of the Resident Evil franchise. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is highly regarded, holds an 89% positive rate on Metacritic, and 96% of Google users who have rated this game enjoy it. So it is widely appreciated in the gaming industry. Now, personally, as I was growing up, I was never a huge fan of Resident Evil. The series itself was great. The ideas were great. I love zombies. Um, You know, horror is my jam. But the control scheme of the original Resident Evil games killed me. If you're familiar with old survival horror games, they all involved fixed cameras and terrible controls. So whenever you entered a new room, um, you had to use the directions on the D-pad to basically aim yourself in any direction. Your characters were slow and clunky. When you switched from one screen to the next, one camera to the next, as you moved throughout rooms, the control schemes really started to um, confuse. So if you were holding forward, you go into a room and the camera has you coming down a hallway. When you were going up the hallway, my brain would think, okay, I need to press down because my character will be moving down on the screen. However, that was not the case. You had to continue to hold the up button so that you could continue moving up. Um, That's an oversimplification of the process, but I feel like it gets the point across. Now... The other piece of Resident Evil that always drove me nuts that wasn't really addressed until Resident Evil 6 was the solitary... You, you can never move and shoot at the same time. You're a trained officer, you're a trained soldier in many of the games, and you are unable to move and shoot. Now, I'm not saying it has to be perfect, and I'm not saying it has to make... You know, you don't have to be 100% accurate. It doesn't have to be something it, it doesn't need to be. But the inability to move and shoot in the Resident Evil franchise and, and many old survival horror franchises was one that really drove the nail into that coffin for me. Did I still play them? Yes. Did I still enjoy them? Sure. Would I have recommended them when I was younger? No. Uh, And that's also the reason why I've chosen Resident Evil 2 remake over the original. Now, those who are faithful to the series found a lot to love in the remake, which launched in, I believe, January, January 25th of 2019. So it's only about two years old now. It featured the same storyline that follows Leon and Claire, Um, with updated visuals, incredible visuals, using the uh, Resident Evil engine, which I believe launched with Resident Evil 7. Uh, And it follows the two in a very similar progression as the original games. Now, obviously, there are differences, some things were cut out, but overall, Resident Evil 2 Remake was a huge success and was loved by the majority of people who played it. Uh, On Metacritic, the PlayStation 4 version, which is the one that I will be focusing on, holds a 91%. So it is... uh, Thoroughly enjoyed by critics and fans alike. Now, it also won a number of awards um, from 2018 to 2020 as far as um, it won the Excellence Award, Best Audio, Best of Show, Best Remake, uh, and Best Classic Revival Game um, in its categories and was nominated for a handful of other games, or I mean a handful of other awards through various game shows. So much like Zombie Dust, Resident Evil 2 is, and the remake, are some of the most highly regarded survival horror games of their genres. So what makes Resident Evil 2 special? For me, it was a combination of many things. Resident Evil 2 took the zombie plotline from the original games and enhanced it into this visceral, slow-paced horror masterpiece. Um, But like most Resident Evil games, it evolved into some pretty crazy uh, scenarios. But the update in mechanics, the update being able to move and shoot, the fluidity of movement, the adjustability of the camera, the overhaul of the visuals. Obviously, there's going to be a huge overhaul in visuals from 1998 to 2019. 
but just everything from top to bottom, sound, visuals, mechanics, um, gameplay, presentation, all of that was astounding in the Resident Evil 2 remake. Much like the smoothness of the zombie dust, the smooth mouthfeel, the smooth gameplay basically makes Resident Evil 2 remake a hit. It avoids the clunkiness of the original and presents a game that is welcoming to all players but can still be a challenging feat particularly if you focus on harder difficulties and or uh, challenges like not using your save data um, not using the item box to store and remove items um, trying not to heal all, all sorts of, of various uh, difficulty enhancements all of which were available in the original but enhanced because they were in desperate need of fixing so a brief recap of our pairing. Now, Zombie Dust, the 6.5% 60 IBU American Pale Ale, pours a light amber coloration with a silky smooth mouthfeel um, and a welcoming bitterness that is not overpowering and easy to drink. Pairs extremely well with the end of the world zombie apocalypse of Resident Evil 2 Remake, which features a smooth gameplay experience that is welcoming. Uh, the challenge difficulties range from extremely welcoming to overbearing, but there's a lot to enjoy in both Zombie Dust and Resident Evil. Uh, and both come from chronicled businesses. Both come from the peaks of their industries. Both are a real treat to experience. Highly recommend both Zombie Dust and Resident Evil in, in conjunction with each other. Now, if this interests you, and you have not had the opportunity to either see slash drink Zombie Dust or see slash play Resident Evil 2 Remake, join us at our Twitch, which is BitCultures. That's, again, BitCultures, one word, because we will be playing Resident Evil 2 Remake paired with Zombie Dust, um, and you can come in and feel free to ask any questions that you would love to know about either Zombie Dust or Resident Evil 2 Remake or anything else. Um, be sure to follow us at BitCultures on Twitter, um, and pay a visit to the website too, where you can see our Instagram updates, which is also BitCultures, what future episodes will likely be about for Bruise Culture, um, and watch us as we grow, join us as we grow, and be sure to offer up suggestions about what you'd like to hear. You know, this is a, an experience for everybody to join us along with, uh, and we hope you'll continue on with us for episode number two. So with that, appreciate you tuning in, sit back, enjoy a beer responsibly, enjoy a game, and we'll see you in the next one.